Well, hey there, everyone. This is David Bowen. Welcome to this week's episode of the Property Profits Real Estate Podcast. Scott, don't try to say that three times in a row too quickly. My special guest today is Scott Carson, who is also known as the Note Guy. And I won't let the cat out of the bag just yet what that's all about, because I'll let him tell us about that. But you're in for a real treat. This is something different. This is something that we haven't heard a lot about, especially as Canucks. So, Scott, great to have you on the call. How are you doing, man? Dave, I'm honored to be here. And I'm originally from Minnesota, so I can speak with an accent if I need to, eh? A <laughs> I don't bit. know a single Canadian that sounds like that. Man. I know, exactly. I know, exactly. I know, exactly. I know exactly. What but we, uh, now I'm honored to be here. I mean, what's funny is we all, well, I'm in the United States, and we'll be talking about as much as in the United States. I do have quite a few Canadian investors who are investing in the States here and doing that via buying distressed debt, buying notes. So Awesome. Well, we'll jump into exactly what that means in just a second. But first of all, Scott, you've been doing the whole real estate game for a long time. I think it's been over 15 years. Just tell us what sparked the interest. How did you get started? What did you get started in? So like many people, I graduated from college in 2001. And we, I grew up in a small South Texas town where my dad owned the local hardware store. So I grew up being basically, I like to joke, slave labor out to do fix and fix anything. You know what I mean? Yeah. So growing up, going to college, graduated college, got married. And of course, like many people, we love watching that factual TV show, Flip This House, right? You know, you everything go, yeah. on there is just true and not. He's, he's and being facetious, you guys. So don't, don't take that with a yeah. grain of salt. Yeah, exactly. So, but we're like, oh, hey, we could do this. I can fix anything. Well, sure. We want to pick out paint and carpet. It looks like fun. Sure. Everybody can do this. So we went out, bought a couple properties here in, in Austin. I was making good money as a, as a financial advisor. Uh, wife at the time was a private school teacher. was making six figures. We're like, hey, this would be great. Realtors like, hey, you know, you, you can buy a couple of these, not just one. So we bought three houses, our primary plus two, mm. in our six months. And the only person that made any money on the deal was the realtor and the commission. <laughs> because like three months after we bought our second investment property, I got laid off and then the market tanked here in Austin because of a little computer company that rhymes with hell called Dell laid off a bunch of people. So our renters that we're going to, you know, we're going to be the next landlords here. Uh, you know, we were, we owed more and we were trying to make six mortgage payments, three first mortgages, three second payments on a private school teacher salary. So I became a distressed you know, borrower pretty quickly. Fortunate. We were able to get rid of the two investment properties without having to, to pay anything, be a short sale and keep our primary residence. I went back to work about a year later after being laid off for roughly about nine months in the financial sector as a banker and, and started getting my assets out of a sling. And I had a buddy approach me who I'd, I'd worked with and he'd been laid off too, who started a mortgage company here with a couple of investors. And hmm. he was doing well and needed some help. They were traveling the country and internationally speaking on creative financing and owner financing, wraparound mortgage, the whole variety of thing, and, and then flip, fixing and flipping properties. Like, hey, this is really what I want to do. So July 4th, 2004, I put my notice in the bank. And I, like I said, I've been a full-time real estate investor in mortgage industry since then. Interesting. Interesting. So you started out trying to do flips. Flips didn't work out too well. Then you kind of morphed into this. So explain to us exactly, you know, because your main bread and butter now is buying distressed notes and mortgages. Is that correct? So that's correct. Uh, so what, is, what is a distressed note or a mortgage? Great, great point. So 
between 2004, 2008, I started doing other things and learned how to fix and flip property and other, other things, wholesaling and things like that. But when everything hit the fan here in the United States in 2008, there's a lot of people that were a up either upside down on their house where they owed more than what their property was worth or yeah. B had been laid off through some sort of financial or health reason. And they couldn't, they were behind on their mortgage payment. So that's what a distressed debt or distressed note or mortgage is. It's a mortgage on a property where the borrower either owes more than what it's worth. So they're upside down or the borrower is behind on making payments of some sort, whether it's 30 days, 90 days, a year, three years, nine years, I've even seen. So, you know, everybody out there is in the debt game or in the, in the note game, whether you've got a car payment or a student loan or, you know, house payment or anything, credit cards, we're just all on the wrong side of the payments for the most part. We're paying out versus paying coming in. So, Okay. So in a nutshell, how does your strategy work? Why the hell would you want to buy a note that's already on a property that's upside down? Exactly. Or buy a note on somebody who hasn't paid anything on their property for the last three months or three years or nine years? Great, great question, Dave. So the beautiful thing is that we as note buyers now, because I've been doing this for over a decade, is that we'll, we deal directly with banks and asset managers and mortgage companies that are originating stuff. And if a borrower starts falling behind on their mortgage or they're upside down, the bank will often sell that debt, sell that receivable at a substantial discount, all right, off of what's owed or off the value of the property. And that's how we make our money is I'll give you some basic numbers. Let's say a borrower owes $120,000 on their $100,000 house. They've okay. been okay, they've been behind by 6 months or greater. The back payments are, you know, making it be underwater or they're out of work. Well, depending on how far in default that mortgage is or behind that borrower is, I can often come in and buy that debt at 50, 60, 40, 30, 20 cents on the dollar of what's owed or the value of the property. So we make our money by buying that debt at a discount and then reaching back out to the homeowner and say, hey, hey, Dave, I know you have not paid in your mortgage for 12 months. I know the bank wants you to bring all 12 months of your payment to the table and you can't afford that. And you, it, you know, your house is only worth 100. You owe 120 plus change. Can you start making your existing payment on time? And most people, you know, if they've been out of work for a while, can start making their existing payment. If they're back working again, they just can't come to the table with the extra overage right. or the extra money. Right. So we try to get them to start making payments, do trial payment plans or a loan modification of some sort where we're either a reducing principal, you know, reducing back payments, reducing the interest rate, being creative to really find a win-win scenario. Because if we bought it at 50000 in our scenario, bought it at 50000 we got a lot of flexibility. So if their interest rate's at 6% on their mortgage and we bought it at $0.50 cents, we, and they start making payments, that's like a 12% automatic return to us. Yeah. Now our goal, you know, I wish we could get everybody modified and performing on time. It doesn't always work that way, but about 60% of the time they pay on time, they start paying on time so that in 12 months, once we've gotten 12 months of payments, it's now considered a reperforming note, Dave. We can sell that note, that mortgage back to Wall Street, to other hedge funds, other banks will sometimes buy them or other investors at say 80, 85, 90 cents of the dollar because now they've got a 12-month payment stream, they're happy to take this. So now we bought it at 50, we sold it at 85, we made 35 grand on that deal, plus the 12 months of payments. Uh-huh, very, very interesting. Wow, okay, so, yeah, so just make sure I understood that. So let's say the house is worth 100 grand, 
because of whatever they owe 120 on it, which isn't that difficult with penalties and interest yep. and property values going down a little bit. You buy that note from the, the motivated seller, which is the bank in this case, or the mortgage holder, you buy it for 50 grand. Now, I guess the question people would have is why the heck would the bank do that instead of just selling the property themselves? So the reason that the bank doesn't just sell the property is the bank's got to go through the legal process. They've got to foreclose. They've got to do all that, you know, all that stuff. And foreclosure timeframes in the United States will vary. In Texas, where I'm at, we do everything really fast here. We can foreclose in like 21 days. Whereas in like New York, it can take two years to three years. And you've got to hire an attorney to talk to an attorney to have an attorney up there. Okay. Right. And so that's why they would rather sell that note to me and say two weeks let me take over that issue. They get 50 cents in the dollar. They can now take that 50 cent, that 50 grand, go out and replicate it and leverage it 10 or 15 times in new loans and make those fees back versus trying to have to foreclose. Then they've got to list the property and fix it up. Banks are not in the business of owning uh, real estate. They want to own mortgages. They want to own notes. I think what a lot of people don't understand, and correct me if I'm wrong, because you come from that industry, is the bank didn't actually loan them $100,000 in the first place. The bank probably only has 10 grand or five grand of their own money in the deal, and the rest is government money. Is that more or less that, right? That's a big chunk. There's off, especially if you're doing Fannie Mae and Freddie Mae. Yeah, there's a lot of government money back behind it, or they've got, they lent 80%, and there's government insurance there to come in and cover that 20 25% in case the bar does default. For every $100,000 in loan that's not performing, that costs the bank basically fees on a million bucks wow. because the way they leverage it, the way they're making interest rate, I mean, for every dollar that's in the bank in 2015, sorry, 2010 when it was the worst, banks were leveraged at like 15 to one. You know, so for every dollar in, they had it lent out like 15 times. Wow. Do you think that number's gotten better or gotten worse, Dave? <laughs> I think it's probably gotten worse. It's like 50 to one now. Oh my God. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's it, it, too big to fail, all right? We are, we heard that before, didn't yeah, we? Yeah, amen to that, exactly. So that's basically what I do. We buy the debt at a discount. We buy from a variety of different banks, uh, regional banks that are lending usually in different places. I do buy from some of the bigger banks too. But our goal is to buy that note and then really get it re-performing. That's our biggest goal. Now, we do foreclose about 30 40% of the time where we've got to take the property back and go through the legal process or our offer up you know, money to the bar for them to walk away. You know, yeah, so incentivize them to, to walk. They know they're going to get kicked out sooner or later, so you pay them to leave. Exactly, exactly, you know. And so, you know, we have that happen. Some, but So we do take some property back. Our goal then is to sell the property, list it with an agent, or keep it as a rental. Some people like to then, you know, take the property back and then owner finance it out, you know, to somebody exactly. else and create their own paper. That's fine. Me, we like to keep the, the keep the reperforming notes for a while, and then sell them off, and then then as I like to say, double down. One deal becomes two, two becomes four, and and go from there. Nice, nice, nice. Very cool. Well, good job on explaining the big picture of how that works. Even a dummy like me understands it. So awesome, 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 awesome. So Scott, you're in Texas. Things happen fast there. Are you doing? Are you buying most of your notes in Texas, or are you across the country? And how do you how do you find these things? So that's a good thing. I, I'm buying about 30 different states. Now, I love Texas, but it, we can foreclose so quickly here that the banks know that mm. and they want more for their debt here. You know, same thing like California is very attractive. They want more. So I'm buying a lot 
and uh, like the, we call it the Rust Belt states, Ohio, Michigan, Indiana. I buy a lot down the Carolinas. I, I bought a lot in Florida uh, about 10 years ago, and that market's rebounded strong, so I'm still buying a little bit, but mostly in the areas where there's deals. And how are you finding these deals, or how are they advertised, or how does Great it work? Great question. This is there very is no, like a tax lien or a tax deed sale, right? It's, it's completely it's, Yeah, we don't have those. We don't have like a, a multiple listing service for distressed debt. Yeah, so yeah. what we do is we target directly to banks. And so there are specific departments inside of each bank that handles this. And if, if people don't get anything else from this, you know, this podcast episode, the names of those departments are very specific. You have the special asset managers is one title, the secondary marketing managers, the chief credit risk officers. Those are often majority of the, of the, the departments are named one of those three. And so we reach out to these special asset managers variety of way, be email, phone call, jumping on LinkedIn and doing a search for them. Uh, using like Lane Guide is another a website you can use or like distresspro.com is a software that a buddy of mine put together that kind of targets these banks. So we reach out to these internal departments and these bankers have, you know, all their whole portfolio of that. So we'll often get emails directly from these asset managers monthly, quarterly, just depends on what they're selling. That'll have, you know, 10, hundreds, sometimes thousands of defaulted mortgages that we can cherry pick from. So one of the things I love so much, Dave, is I don't have to do a lot of the old traditional way of marketing, trying to find deals. No postcards, no you know, let yell letters, no, no bandits. No bandit signs, no that stuff. Yeah. Very, very cool. Well, that is that is super interesting. Now, Scott, so you, you've talked about people investing. It doesn't really matter where you are as long as you understand how to market for this. Before we start recording, you said you've got some you've got some Canadian students or clients that are that are doing this. So it is possible to do it from overseas, from out of the country. Very, very briefly, kind of how does that work? So we it's like buying anything else remotely. We've got students in Israel that are buying a lot here in the United States. People from Australia, Spain, London. Canada is just a short little, you know, Air Canada flight across the border if you needed to. Yeah, yeah, but, yeah. But the thing is, with the internet and the help of the internet, you can jump on Realtor.com. You can jump on meetup groups right. and find people there that can drive by the properties and take photos for you. You can pull comps, you know. And I've got uh, some of our that have just set up entities here in the United States. They're paying taxes and stuff like that here to the government to do that. And they're buying through their, their LLCs here locally to control real estate, whether it's A, they like the debt or they, they're adding to the portfolio of, as either rentals or REOs that they're keeping. So, you know, cool. it's, a different, it's a different model than what most people are used to because you don't actually own the property. You, you own, own the, debt. the debt. So you've got to think like a banker's mindset. We see a lot of fix and flippers or landlords that try to get in this business and they're, they're running the numbers based on that, that past ground. That's not the case. You have to keep in mind foreclosure timeframes. You're often not going to be able to see inside the property because it's occupied. So you right. do a lot of kind of, I guess you say emotional equity due diligence. You know, what's the, what's the, what's the car look like? Are they keeping the property up to date? Are there toys in the yard? How long have they lived there? The beautiful thing, Dave, is when we're buying from banks and other hedge funds, they have third party servicers that are handling the collections, the borrow outreach. So I'm not the one on the phone with, you know, Ma, Ma Smith in Columbus trying to negotiate with her. I've, we've got a team that does that. But we get those types of notes from the, the previous, the seller. So we can see that, hey, the borrower was really nice and tried to do something. Or the borrower told the, the servicer to go F off. You know what I mean? So that helps us with a lot of due diligence. We, obviously, we're checking taxes and, and pulling days on market. 
And you know, if a borrower files bankruptcy, that works in our favor. We can go to pacer.gov, which is a government website, to see what's going on in the bankruptcy filing and really get a lot of due diligence that way too. No, it's it's amazing. Awesome, my friend. Well, I'm, unfortunately, we're running low on time here. So, Scott, I'm sure we're going to create a lot of curiosity around this whole thing. So, if people want to find out more about you and about the whole note thing, what should they do? Really easy. Just go to my website, weclosenotes.com. Weclosenotes.com is the website. Got all sorts of great information, a thousand plus videos on YouTube about this in our podcast. I'd love to give your audience a, a free book. Would that be possible? Sure, that'd be awesome. How can they get that? But they, uh, we have different training programs, but if you go to noteblueprint.com slash free book, noteblueprint.com slash free ebook, it'll be a, my 73 page book that I wrote to help give people a good knowledge base of how kind of what note buying is and how to get started with it. Awesome. Scott, it's been a lot of fun. Nice to meet you virtually, my friend, and hope to have you again on the podcast in the future. Honored to be here, Dave. Hey guys, go out, do, do Dave a favor. He didn't ask me to do this. Go and hit subscribe on iTunes and leave a five-star rating for Dave. He's doing an amazing job. Come on, people. Where else are you getting this great type of quality stuff? Do it now. (laughs) Awesome, Scott. All right, everybody. See you next week. Take care. Well, thanks very much for checking out the Property Profits podcast. If you like what we're doing here, please head on over to iTunes, subscribe, rate us, and leave us a review. Be very, very much appreciated. And if you're looking to create a regular flow of inbound investor inquiries about your real estate deals, then I invite you to attend one of my upcoming live online demonstrations. And you can check that out at InvestorAttractionDemo.com. Take care.